My name is Ferdinand Mascognana. At a young age, I experienced being mistreated by my mother who was an alcoholic. Her abuse was so extreme that, that there would be days when I felt that she has hurt me in every physical way possible. This has led me to feel so much anger and hatred toward my mom. Things worse, things got worse when my father passed away. In my attempt to get away from the pain of the abuse, I became rebellious and got involved with illegal activities. In 1982, I got involved in robbery, which resulted to one year and seven months in jail. One year after my imprisonment, I started getting involved with drugs. Shortly after, I also, I also became a drug pusher known as Big Time Freddy. I was selling in areas like Marikina, Antipolo, Morong, San Mateo, and Quezon City. I was an irresponsible husband and father. I hurt my wife and physically abused her. I had no regards for our marriage, and I became involved with several different women. In 1995, I was caught. I was caught in jail in Marikina for illegal drug pushing. After two years, I was able to get out of prison. Instead of going back to my family, I live in with another woman. My freedom was short-lived, and after a few months, I got caught in jail again for drug pusher. Pushing. My life inside the jail was difficult because I had no peace. In 1999, I was released from prison again, but I still did not change. My life became a series of getting in and getting out of jail. At that time, I felt very tired of the life I was living. In 2004, while inside prison, I was invited by a fellow prisoner to attend the activities of CCF Piaje Binigyang Laya Ni Jesus Jail Ministry in Marikina City Jail. I had an encounter with the Lord at the time and felt a kind of peace at that I have never felt before. At that same day, I accepted the Lord Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I become consistent in attending in the ministry in jail every Monday. God's word helped me know God more and develop godly conviction. One of which was the realization that I was living a simple relationship with my live-in partner and so was and so we ended our relationship. I also reached out to my wife to make amends. I shared with her the things I was learning in the ministry and asked for her forgiveness. I spent many years in prison, but it did not 
help me develop direction, peace and meaning to my life. In my new relationship with the Lord, I found what I have been looking for all along. Eventually, I became a D-group leader and started reaching out. To my fellow inmates, as my relationship with the, with the God became deeper, He has touched my heart to forgive my mother as well. I also praying that the Lord would spare me from the consequence of my case. I prayed for a new chance to be free from prison because I was sentenced to a 12 to 20 years imprisonment in Muntinlupa. One day as I was reading the Bible, I came across Romans 10.11. It says, anyone who believes in him will never put to shame. This verse helped me be strong and gave me hope to trust in the Lord. In November 8, 2005, I was acquitted. This moment made me realize that the Lord has truly set me free. From 2005 until now, I, I still go in and go out of jail. But this time, the reason was no longer my illegal drug cases, but my mission to share the word. To share the, the word of the Lord to people who are still inside the jail. With the same faith, these prisoners too can set be free by the Lord. I am also continuously sharing God's words, word in my wife and children. Presently, I am handling a D-group in Malanday, Marikina, where my relatives and neighbor participate. I am also assigned as the jail coordinator in Marikina City Jail, where we do weekly Bible study. With God's help, I have learned to make a living out of honest means. And I now have a small business which does not involve illegal drugs anymore. God is truly good and He accepts all of us, even criminals like me. I am Ferdinand Mascunyana, a former slave of sin, but now a servant of Jesus. To God be the glory. Praise God, praise God. Before we let him sit down, I'm going to ask us to pray for him. The reason why I like the D-group leader to come, because D-group leaders are important. Because they are the one mentoring, caring, discipling the people. By the way, if you are our guest, you begin to understand what CCF is all about. It's not a religion. It's a movement of ordinary people who has met the Lord, and we want others to know Jesus so that they will be set free. 
And that's why our challenge for this year is everybody will become a witness for Jesus. Everybody will be a discipler. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you praying now for somebody that you can introduce to Jesus? If I were you, I'm going to be very nice. I will treat them for a nice coffee and uh, be the nicest person. You know why? Because who you are is more important many times than what you say. So shall we pray for uh, Ferdinand and Remy? You may not realize Remy is also an ex-convict. Is God amazing? God can use all kinds of people. And they were roommate. Roommate ba? Cellmate. 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 What a nice way of cell group, cellmate. So we call it D group, okay? So let's all stand up and pray for them. Amen. Are you blessed with the testimony? You know, God is good, right? Even if you're an ex-convict, God can use you. In fact, the Bible says that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Why are you looking at me? I'm not foolish. <laughs> okay? So, whatever your past is, the moment Christ or God touches your life, it will change. It will change. And whatever your past is, the Bible says that if any man is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, new things has come. Amen? So what will happen if, for example, Ferdy doesn't have a D-group leader? He will be just out there. Nobody's taking care of him. So I would like to encourage each and every one. Be part of a small group because in the small group that's where we grow really in our relationship with the Lord so we've been talking about Exodus and what does what is what does Exodus mean Exodus is actually freedom it's an exit from the bondage that we were into when we have not known Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And why do we need to study the book of Exodus? People ask, that's already an Old Testament thing. Why do we need to study them in, in our present age? 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, Now these things happen to them as an example, as they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So the Old Testament was written for us to learn or get some important learnings from it. So are you learning from our lessons from the past three Sundays? Yes? So what did we learn during the first Sunday? We learned about freedom. We said that freedom is not having no boss, but freedom is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And the second Sunday, we learned about trusting God. We learned about uh, trusting God when God seems so silent. And we know that we have learned in, during the second Sunday, the heartbeat of God is to set people free. And on the third Sunday, we learn about the wilderness experience of Moses. Moses went through a humbling experience in his life, basically because God wanted to change him so that Moses can be used by the Lord to set the people free in Egypt.
And for whatever was written in earlier times, it was written for our instruction. So that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Last Sunday, we also learned about the excuses of Moses. Okay? And when God called Moses to, to deliver the people out of, of bondage, Moses had a lot of excuses. And I'm sure all of us have our own set of excuses, not only to the Lord, but probably excuses from the things that somebody's asking us to do. So the book of Exodus is actually divided into three major sections. The first one, from verses 1 to 6, we can see here how the people of Israel were under bondage. How they, were, they have been ruled by Egypt for 430 years. And the next section is the process of deliverance from chapter 7 to 18. That's where we see the, the, the miracles of God that, that, uh, that he showed to Pharaoh. And that compelled Pharaoh to set the people free. And the rest of the, of the chapters, the 18 chapters of, of Exodus, talks about sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification is setting people free or setting uh, them apart for the service of the Lord. So we see here the, uh, the magic 40 of Moses' life. The first 40 years of his life was when he was trained in the palace, being the adopted son of, the, of Pharaoh's daughter. And the second 40 years was the years where he was trained in the wilderness. And the next 40 years was actually when he applied the learnings that he had with the Lord when he was in the wilderness. As you can see, the Lord uses people who have undergone wilderness experience or who have undergone humbling experience. Why is that so? Because God wanted to use people who are depending on him. We learned from last week that Moses had a lot of, of excuses. He said that he was not capable. He said that he had speech deficiencies, etc., so on and so forth. But during those periods, God humbled Moses from being a prince of Egypt to a shepherd in, in the wilderness. Okay, so those 40 years of training was very important, was very crucial because God was changing the character of Moses. I'd like to share with you an excuse letter that I downloaded from the, from the internet. Can you guys see? No? Let me read it. Dear ma'am, sorry for my long absence. I like absent on February 9 to 11 because February 9 is 40 days in my uncle that dead. And February 12, in the morning of my mother, demanded me to buy a fruit on store. I'm ride in motor, but I'm not know that the driver is drunkard. <laughs> the motor is clashed on the stone. That reason, I'm fly away. I'm okay, because I'm fly away to many leaves. <laughs> but my back and finger is not okay, because painful and not moved. Every day, very painful, my body. Sorry. Just, making, just to make sure that you guys are awake. Okay, it, it sounds funny, right? It is funny. Okay, but you know, sometimes 
when God talks to us, we have funny excuses. Or it's just me. Oh, just me. <laughs> Sabi ko na nga ba eh. Okay, anyway, mamimiss nyo ko after next Sunday. Okay? So we have a lot of excuses. So we see, we saw from last week that when God asked Moses to go back to Pharaoh, Moses had five excuses. The first excuse that Moses had, he said, who am I? He feels that he's nobody. His uh, confidence, his self-confidence was gone. But you know what? God does not need our self-confidence. God needs God confidence. If we have God confidence, God can use us in his ministry. God can use us for his purpose. And God has to make sure that that self-confidence that Moses had okay, will be replaced to God confidence. And the second excuse that Moses had, he said, what do I say who you are? And God answered him, I am who I am. I would like to call it, I don't know if there is such an English term, the isness of God. What is an isness? God is. Whatever your situation right now, God is the answer. If you are sick in your bodies right now, God is the healer. If you lack, if you lack, if you lack uh, finance, finances, God is our Jehovah Chira. If you are in trouble, God is our Jehovah Shalom. That is the isness of God. So for every situation that we are going through right now, God has something or God has a solution for our situation. And the third excuse that Moses had, what if they don't listen? This is very common, right? Sometimes God would ask us to lead a small group. And what is one of our, what our excuse? Lord, they will not listen to me. Lord, I can't do it because I am not a graduate of a Bible school. Okay, so that's the third excuse. And the fourth excuse that Moses had, he said, I am not eloquent. My speech is not good. I stutter. But what did God say? I am going to send your brother with you. And whatever you want to say, your brother is going to be your spokesperson. And I will put words in your mouth. And you're going to say what I want to say to Pharaoh. And the last excuse that Moses had, he said, send someone else. Very common, right? Lord, here I am. Send George. <laughs> We're sometimes like that, right? God is already telling us to share the word of God to our neighbors or to our relatives. And yet, we make a lot of excuses. And many times, our excuses are very funny. Just like what we read earlier. Probably if God is talking to you, you know, God would sometimes laugh. Right? Because we make funny excuses. I would like to say this statement. That God desires to bless you. Oftentimes, Christians equate blessing with dollar sign. Right? And you know, blessing is not only money. 
you have good health, you are blessed. Sometimes there are people who get a lot of money and yet they spend a lot of money paying for their hospital bill. What would you rather have a lot of money and make your hospital as your second bedroom? Or you have no money and you are having, living a healthy life? Healthy life, right? Okay? Some people have a lot of money and yet their relationship with their family is ugly. Would you rather have a lot of money and your wife is not talking to you, nor your children is talking to you? You don't want that, right? But you know what? I have good news for you. God wanted or desires to bless us. And what is that blessing? That's what we're going to talk to you this morning. In 3 John chapter 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prosper. The blessings of God is holistic. God wants to bless us in all areas of our lives. But you will ask, Pastor Reg, why is it that I think that's contrary to what I am experiencing right now. You know what? The blessings of the Lord is dependent on the container. Before God can bless us, God wanted to make sure that we are capable of those blessings. I'll say it again. Before God can bless us, God wanted to make sure that we are capable of receiving those blessings. Example, God will bless you with million dollars, and what are you going to do after you're blessed with billion dollars? I remember when in my younger years, okay, I am 23 right now. <laughs> so in my younger years, okay, I said... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was 23. Okay. I told God, Lord, if I become a millionaire, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy a house. I want to buy a car. I will go abroad, travel, blah, blah, so on, so on and so forth. And looking back, I think the very reason why God did not give me a million dollars, it's because on my list, God was not there. The reason why God wanted to bless us is not for self-gratification, but for us to be a channel of blessing to others. And sometimes we go through certain things in life because God wants you to a blessing. Example, you will say, Pastor Reg, why, am I, why did I experience this type of sickness in my body? Sometimes God allows that to happen. Why? So that you can reach out to people who are also sick. How can you empathize with people if you, don't, if you have not experienced certain things in your life? There is a reason, there is a purpose why God would allow us to go through wilderness experience in our lives. 
Joshua 1.8, it says that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way, what? And that's the promise of God. But look at the Kulatilia, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, okay? So that you may be careful, what? To do according to all that is written in it. So what is the key? We do. We do. We do. According to what God is telling us. Many people, they want the blessing, but they don't want to do what God is asking them to do. Am I right or am I correct? Okay. Okay, many people just wanted the blessing. It's, it's by default that we want to be blessed. By default, we wanted to have money. By default, we wanted to experience prosperity in life. And yet, we do not want to obey. We do not want to obey. James 1.22, it says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Okay, I think when we go to heaven, we might see a lot of ears in heaven. Because many people, many Christians, they just wanted to listen and yet they don't do what they have heard. I'm glad it's not here, on the other church only. <laughs> right? Many people are, are just hearers, but they are not doers of the word. James 1.25 further says, But the one or the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, the Bible says, this man will be blessed in what he does. This man will be blessed in what he does. By the way, the greatest healing or the greatest blessing, the greatest miracle is what? The healing of the soul. You know what? If you have, the Bible says in the New Testament, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but lose your own soul? The greatest miracle, the great, greatest blessing is not money, it's not even health, but it is the healing of the soul. What is the healing of the soul? Your soul or your spirit is reconciled to God. That is the greatest blessing. Amen? In 2003, 01 December, there was this train. This is a New York North Metro train. Uh, figured or it was derailed 
because it was approaching a curve, a 30 mile per hour zone. This train was running at an 82 miles per hour speed. The operator, when they investigated, the operator thought, because the train is capable of running more than 100 miles per hour. But when he was approaching, when he was approaching that curve, it's a 30 mile per hour curve, they should slow down. So what happened was the train engineer did not follow what he's supposed to do, slow down. Many people, even in driving, sometimes I am guilty as charged. Okay, what? We overspeed. Sometimes it is saying this is a 55 miles zone, miles per hour zone, and yet what? We speed up to 70. Okay, so disobedience. Disobedience sometimes is, oftentimes is dangerous. I have coined my message this morning. I have lifted it from a quotation from one of my favorite uh, Christian leader. Name is Christian Kane. Obedience is less painful than regret. Obedience is less painful than regret. Why is obedience less painful? Because obeying is also painful. Right? Especially when you are torn between committing a sin and following what God wants us to do. It's kind of painful. I was telling my Bible study group last Friday, sin is what? Pleasurable. Masarap ang kasalanan. Right? Because if sin is not pleasurable, we will not do it. And the moment we obey, we obey to follow the word of God, sometimes it's a struggle. A struggle of our flesh. That's why obedience is less painful than regret. So let's go back to the book of Exodus. And now we are studying on, the, on chapter 4 of Exodus. Exodus 4.13, this, this was our ending chapters or verses that we read last Sunday. But he said, this is Moses, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently, and moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I, even I, will be with your mouth and his mouth, and I will teach you what you are to do. I mentioned earlier that God uses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God has used a person, Moses. Moses what? He was a murderer. He had difficulty in his speech. But God has used him so that he can bring the people out of Egypt from their bandages. God uses ordinary people 
Of course, it's, you know, just imagine a monkey bringing the people out of Egypt. That's going to be funny. Right? Or would you like to be discipled by a monkey? Ang pag-uusapan ninyo, Or do you want to be discipled by a pig? It's not going to be Bible study. It's going to be called baboy study. Right? But you know what? God uses ordinary people to what? To lead people out of their bandages. And I have discussed last week that God said, I will go down and deliver my people out of Egypt. And then the next verse, God said, I will send you to Pharaoh. So in short, God's purpose is to use you and me to disciple others. God uses you and me to bless others. So that is how God uh, uh, would want to use people in his, in his ministry. Okay, and let's continue. And the base things of this world, what are the base things of this world? These are the little ones. If you were listening to Brother Ferdy's testimony earlier, he was what? He was a pusher. Big time rubber. And what happened? God is using him and he's now a D-group leader. And he was saying that he still goes in and out of the jail, not because of illegal activities, but what? Because he is sharing the word of God. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's continue. Exodus 4.18, Then Moses departed and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go, that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt, and see if they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. When God spoke to Moses, the next thing that Moses did was he went to Jethro, his father-in-law, and asked, for permission. Ladies and gentlemen, obedience starts in the family. Moses was about 80 years old here. And look at the attitude of Moses. Even though he was 80 years old, he still went to Jethro and asked for permission. What am I saying? Even if you are 30 years old, even if you are 40 years old, okay, especially those of us who are still living with our parents, let's still ask permission from, our, from authorities. Why? Because God desires obedience to start in the family. See, Moses is about 80 years old. Nagpapaalam pa. Some of us, no, I'm already an adult. I can do what I want. That is not the case with Moses. Moses still went to ask permission from his father-in-law. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. Remember, Moses went out of Egypt because what? 
they were after Moses because he killed the Egyptian. He was a fugitive. He was self-exiled in Midian. But God asked him to go back because the people there that are after his life, they're all dead. Now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. This verse is kind of obscured, right? Okay, I was reading a commentary yesterday when I was preparing the message. Why is the Lord, or why did God wanted to put him to death? And the commentary says that at this time, when, there are, when they, are, they were on their way back to Egypt, that Moses got sick. And the sickness that he had, if it were not taken care, could possibly lead to death. Why? Labo, no? God has asked him to deliver the people out of Egypt. So Moses was obedient. He was on his way to Egypt. And suddenly... The Lord met him, and what does it say? The Lord sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah, Zipporah is Moses' wife, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet, and she said, You are indeed a bridegroom. Of blood to me. Okay, the next verse says that the wife, Zipporah, took a knife and, in short, circumcised their son. Mukhang nag-blank wall bigla lahat, no? Labo, we're just talking of circumcision and that God wanted to put him to death. So he let him alone at that time. She said, you are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. So Moses got sick. And I think probably Zipporah, just imagine, when this was happening, probably Zipporah was praying, God, you called us to deliver the people out of Egypt. Why is this happening to us? Did you guys sometimes ask God, Lord, why is this thing happening to us? Or it's just Moses. Pag sinabi ko kasi, it's me, just you. Okay? So sometimes the things that are happening around us, the calamities that we go through, the challenges that we go through, oftentimes we ask God, God, why is this happening to us? What have I done wrong? Lord, why me? Why not George? Why me? So probably that was the question of Zipporah. And I think at that time the Lord spoke to Zipporah and told Zipporah there was a problem. Your son is not circumcised. Don't you think it is illogical? At first when I was reading this, I, you know, 
I just, I'm just shaking my head. Why is God very particular with circumcision? You know what circumcision is? I don't want to ask a show of hands. Okay. Women, do you know what circumcision is? Are you sure? Okay. What is circumcision? Circumcision is the what? The cutting of the flesh. Okay, on the male's genital. Okay. Let's look at let's look at the Bible. Genesis chapter 17 verse 7. Okay, this was the time when God instituted what we call the Abrahamic covenant. What was the Abrahamic covenant? The Abrahamic covenant was when God promised Moses that he's going to be a father of many nations. So, kasunod. I know you will remember this because we have studied or we're done with the book of Genesis. It says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who is born in the house or is bought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants, a servant who is born in your house or who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. But an uncircumcised male, okay? But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, the Bible says that person shall be cut off from his people because what? He has broken my covenant. Aha. Circumcision. What has that something to do with our spiritual life? Why did God choose circumcision as a sign of covenant? Who among you here are married? Oh. Okay, isn't it that when you get married, what is the sign or the symbol of that covenant? The ring. Okay, unfortunately, I don't have the ring, but I'm married. Okay. So the ring is a symbol of your covenant with each other. You will know that a person is married when he has a Wedding ring. Right? Okay. The Bible says that you will know that a person is under God's covenant if they have undergone the process of 
circumcision. Remember we read, even the servants, even the foreigners that live with them, they have to be circumcised. Strange, right? Strange, right? I know a lot of you have a lot of question marks. Okay, let's look at some important facts. For them, circumcision is not optional. It was to be kept. Remember, it says you have to do this for generations. That's why even now, we have a process called circumcision. Don't ask me why I do not know. But Bible says that is a sign or that is the symbol that God has covenanted with his people. Just like Noah, for every covenant that God would give to his people, there's always a sign. Noah, what, is, what was the symbol? Rainbow. And unfortunately, the rainbow now is being used for a different purpose. Right? What else? What about in the New Testament? What is the symbol, what is the sign or symbol of the New Testament? That God has covenanted with his people. One of them is the institutionalized, institutionalizing of the Lord's Supper. Okay? And even in the New Testament, God requires circumcision. What? We will discuss that. So circumcision was not optional. It was required of them. And every person had to be circumcised. Even foreigners who lived with the Jews, they have to be circumcised. It says that it was the sign of the covenant. It was the sign of a covenant. Circumcision was to be performed on the eighth day after birth. And I think medical science or doctors will say that when the baby is eight, eight days old, it is the best time to circumcise. Why? Because it has uh, a good blood clotting. I think that that's the peak where the blood would really clot after circumcision. And you know what? This commandment that God has given us, this was done thousands of years ago. You see, God knows everything. Why? Because he created you and me. God knows every part of your body. God knows how your body functions. God knows everything. He knows the chemistry of your body. He knows exactly your DNA. God knows whatever it is. Why? Because he is the one who created us. Number five, failure to be circumcised was regarded as what? As a breaking of the covenant and was grounds to being cut off or removed from the people. No wonder God wanted to kill Moses. Because what? Moses failed to circumcise his son. So to God, that was a disobedience. God hates disobedience. And God wants us to obey him. And God wanted Moses, especially Moses, Moses going to be a leader. 
God wanted Moses to set the example. And that's the reason why, you know, even for leaders and for pastors, God has a higher standards in terms of following or obedience. Why? How can you set or how can Moses set the people free in Egypt and tell the people of, of uh, tell the Israelites that they be circumcised if he himself, his son, was not circumcised? Do you think Moses can do that? Double standard, right? In short, we call it napaka-hypocrite. And you know, there are people also in church. There are leaders who sometimes are living a double standard. They are telling their congregation different things, but they themselves, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. I'm glad they are not in CCF, right? Doon sa kabila. Okay. So failure to be circumcised was regarded as a breaking of the covenant and it was ground for being cut off from the people. There are some observations in what we just have discussed this morning. A person didn't circumcise himself. They yielded to circumcision. Okay, in, during their days, circumcision is done by the priest. Nowadays, it's done by medical practitioners, right? In the mountains, what, they, what do they use? Itak. Okay, but it was done by somebody else. You don't go to the restroom and circumcise yourself. Right? If you hear somebody doing that, I do not know. Okay? They yielded to circumcision. Okay? Second, circumcision was the cutting of the flesh. You cut a certain portion, okay, when you do circumcision. Circumcision was done in a private place. And a private part of your body is being circumcised. You don't go to the mall and say, I will be circumcised here. And all the people, I? No. You do it in private. Because a private part of you is being cut. A portion of it. That which was cut, cut off is unnecessary. Right? When they cut that piece of skin, of flesh, you don't get it. I will display it at home. I need that. No, you don't do that. What do you do? You throw it away. Right? Am I right or am I wrong? Oh, yeah. Right and wrong. Yeah. Circumcision was a point of consecration. Because what? It is setting apart, having a covenant with God. And it concerned the cutting away of flesh. So from the facts and the 
observation that we have, the question is, what is the significance of circumcision? Does it mean for that for me to go to heaven, I need to go to the doctor and be circumcised? Although we're still doing it today, right? But let's look at the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, it says, Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your and the heart of to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that okay imayin natin to the Lord your God somebody is going to circumcise you the Lord will circumcise your heart The Lord will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants, the hearts of your families, the hearts of your children, the hearts of your spouse, the house of your of the hearts of your relatives. God is going to circumcise your heart. It is not our role to circumcise somebody's heart. When you go through physical circumcision, you just don't grab anybody. Can you circumcise me? No, it has to be a medical practitioner, somebody who knows how to do it. Now it is the heart. It is God who will circumcise our hearts. Okay? What is the purpose and the reason why God wanted to circumcise our hearts? It says there, so that we can love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul. So that you may live. In some commentaries, modern commentaries, it says, so that you will be blessed. So that you will experience the goodness of the Lord. So that you will experience the grace and the mercy of the Lord. That's why circumcision of the heart is very important. And, and circumcision of the heart is not only limited to male. That includes the women too. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 4, it says, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and remove the foreskins of your heart, men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or else my wrath will go forth like fire and burn none to quench it because of the evil of your, of your deeds. So we have talked about the facts and what was one of the observations. Circumcision is done in private. When God is going to circumcise your hearts, He will deal with you privately. God will talk to you. Some may probably hear that still small voice. Some may hear the Lord from a D-group leader. Some may hear the Lord while you are walking in the park. Some may talk to, some God will talk to you maybe through a dream, through an impression. It's a private thing. It is between you 
you, you, and God. Your friend, your pastors, your leaders has nothing to do with circumcising your heart. It is only God who can do that. But your God is going to use your D-group leader. God is going to use your leaders so that God can speak to you. So it is done in private. And what is that circumcision of the heart? Circumcision is cutting the flesh from the foreskin. God hates the flesh. What is that flesh? God does not hate your body, right? Because we're living in the flesh. No. What is the flesh? Let's find out. Galatians 5.17 For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. The flesh is in opposition to the word of God. The flesh is in opposition to the spirit of God. And what is the flesh? These are the fleshly desires. These are the things that puts us in prison. What are examples of this? Hatred. Like Ferdy. He was out of jail, but he still hated his mother. And when God delivered him, one of the things that God impressed upon him is to forgive his mother. Some of us may still be in that prison cell, the cell of hatred, the cell of resentment, or what Pastor Peter would sometimes say, tampururot sa Panginoon. Some of us might be, ano ba sa English ang nagtatampo? Tamps. Okay? Some of us are angry at God. We have resentment. Because we thought that God has not answered our prayers. Sometimes we feel that God is deaf to our plea. Lust. These are the things of the flesh. Greediness. Envy. What else? Pride. Wow, pride number one. And these things are in opposition to the Spirit of God. That's why God wanted to circumcise our hearts. And what is the other observation that we have learned? That which was cut off is useless. The moment God cuts that flesh from your heart, don't even look back. Sometimes, you know, accidentally we throw something on the trash can, and then all of a sudden, you end up calculizing the trash can. Does that happen to you? That happened to me the other day. I threw something from that large bin, and after a few minutes, I remember, oh, I threw an electronic part that I need. So I went there, make some calculizing, and it was too deep. 
Okay? Siyempre, after that, I went to take a bath. But you know, some Christians are like that. We want to go back to our old self. We are just like dogs. Sometimes we go back to our vomit. What God has removed from you, don't ever attempt to go and pick them up. You might be like the wife of Lot. That when she turned back, she became a pillar of salt. And God is talking to us right now. God wanted to circumcise our hearts. And it is the Holy Spirit. It is the office of God who can perform spiritual circumcision. Nobody else. Not even your pastor. Not even your spouse. It is not a role to change the heart of the person next to you. It belongs to God's office. Okay, let's move on. Are you learning something? Okay, can you wake up the person next to you and say, Ayan na si Lord sa langit. Okay, so Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. Remember last Sunday, I mentioned that God asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? And Moses said, I have the rod. It was the rod of Moses, the Bible describes. But when God asked Moses to throw that stick or that rod on the ground, it became a serpent. And God asked him to pick up that serpent again from the tail and it became a rod. Now in Exodus chapter 4, verse 20, that rod is now being described as the staff of God in his hand. Whatever you have in your hand, when you give it to God, God is going to miraculously turn it into something that will benefit his kingdom. I heard a preacher once said that if what you have in your hand is not enough for the harvest, turn it into a seed faith. Just like the child, when, when they were feeding the 5,000, what does the child have? He's got... Okay? You know the story. And one, and when God, Jesus, prayed for it, it became what? It became a miracle. Amen? So now, let's go to Exodus chapter 5. Okay, we are going to talk up to Exodus chapter 40 this morning. And afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. What was the reason why God wanted to deliver out the people of Israel out of Egypt? So that what? They can have a feast and celebrate with God. And what is the reason why God wanted to deliver out you out of the bondage? What we have learned from the few Sundays is so that God can bring you to a spacious land flowing with milk and honey. You know, the objective of God of saving us is not simply to bring us to heaven. 
Because if God's objective is for us just to go to heaven, then after you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if I were God, I will send the thunder so that you immediately die and go to heaven. That was, that's not the reason. The reason why God delivered us, it's because God wanted to bring us into a spacious land flowing with milk and honey. And what is that? That is the blessing from the Lord. The Bible describes the Word of God as milk and honey. And the moment we soak ourselves with the Word of God, we extract all the juice, we extract all, all the things that we can learn from the Word of God. And in James, if you are a doer of the Word, then God is going to prosper you. Amen? Amen? Okay, so let's move on. There are two ways to respond to God, and I will end with this. Okay, some people are happy. Wow, wow. This is one hour for the first, and one hour for the second, so two more hours. Response number one. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and besides, I will not let Israel go. What was Pharaoh's response when, when Moses and Aaron told him to set his people free? What was his response? Who is the Lord? The very reason many people are disobedient before God, because they do not know the Lord. Probably we know that the Lord is the guy up there. But we have not known him personally in our lives. And if this morning you do not know the Lord, I encourage you to seek the Lord. I encourage you to seek the Lord. You cannot obey somebody you do not know. Am I right or am I correct? Would you obey somebody you do not know? More so, will you obey somebody you have no relationship with? And sometimes, many Christians, they complain. Lord, what you're asking me to do is very difficult. You're asking me, Lord, to give my 10%? That is very difficult. Lord, that's ridiculous. Do you know, God, how much, what is the 10% of 6,000? 600? I can go to Best Buy and down this for a good, nice TV. It's difficult to obey, right? But you know what? If you love the Lord, if you love the Lord, 10% is nothing. Ten percent is nothing. Relationship is very important for us to fully obey the Lord. 
the Bible says, submit to what? To what? To what? No. Submit to authorities. Lord, I did not vote for him. Why will I submit to him? Right? Some of us, it's easy to submit to our spouses, to our husbands. Why? Because we have a relationship. Like Marivik, it's easy for Marivik to submit to George. Or it's easy for George to submit to Marivik. Why? Because there's a relationship. But sometimes in the office, it's difficult to submit to our boss. Because what? We just know our boss. We don't have that relationship. So first response is, who is the Lord? And as I said, many people, many people, I'm glad it's not from CCF, many people having difficulties submitting to God because they lack that relationship. They might just know the Lord as somebody up there. Exodus 3.19 I know, but I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. The Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Shocking statement. I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Pastor Reg, are you telling me that it is God actually who orchestrated it so that Pharaoh will not heed to what Aaron and Moses are, are saying? Let's look at the scriptures. In 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 6. Why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he had severely dealt with them, did they not allow the people to go and they departed? Aha! So it was actually Pharaoh who hardened his heart. But why did, why is it that in Exodus it says, I will harden his heart? We will go to that and I will explain that. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says, But encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What caused Pharaoh to harden his heart? When he heard the truth, he hardened his heart. Some people, when they hear God's word, there are two responses. Either they accept it or they totally reject it. But in the case of Pharaoh, what happened? He hardened his heart. Because of what? Because of the deceitfulness of sin. And many times, the sin that engulfs us is the one that obscures God's word in our lives. Many people who does not know God or who does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, the Bible is a trash for them. 
And in fact, the more you share the word of God, the more that they become what? Philosopher. The more that they resist. The more that they build walls around them. Because what? Because of the deceitfulness of sin. Comprende? Okay. As the sun hardens clay, the sun also softens wax. So it is with truth. The results reveal the nature of the materials. If there is deceit in the hearts of people, the more it will harden their heart, just like the case of Pharaoh. Response number two. This is the story of Saul on his way to Damascus. Who knows Saul? Okay, Saul. That was his real name, Saul. But after his conversion, he became Paul. But he was Saul in this, in this, in this chapter. On his way to Damascus to persecute the church, what happened to him? There was a shining light that blinded him while he was riding on the donkey. And in fact, the donkey spoke, talked. Right? Okay. Let's look at Acts chapter 22, verse 8. They have the same question, Pharaoh and Saul. And what did Saul says, said? Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. Then there's another question. What shall I do, Lord? The moment there is conversion, the next question we are going to ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? And because of that conversion, because of that relationship that Saul had with God or with Jesus, God transformed him. And Saul, who now is called Paul, was willing to do whatever God was asking him to do. Which response you want to do right now? Is it the Pharaoh's response or Paul's response? I know in CCF, LA only, your response is number two, right? Right? That response is, Lord, what do you want me to do? I am now saved. I am now a Christian. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, you have given me so much talent. What do you want me to do? Lord, I have a very nice voice. What do you want me to do? Because if you don't yield to that, I will sing. You don't want me to sing, right? So ask God, God, what do you want me to do? According to Pastor Peter, one act of obedience is better than 100 Bible studies. 
no matter what you do, even if you attend Bible studies every week, even if you listen to the preaching of whoever, okay, even though you are in church every Sunday, if you do not obey, then the Bible studies that you had, they're nothing. Obedience is very important. Amen? Amen. Did you learn something? Yes. Titus 2, 11 to 12, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Hebrews 10.36 For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what was promised. Response to obedience requires endurance. Obedience is not a one-time deal. But obedience is a day-to-day thing. You need endurance. The life of a Christian is not a bed of roses. Yes, it is a bed of roses. But remember, there are thorns underneath those roses. There are thorns. That's why we go through difficulties, challenges in life. And what is our response to the challenges in life? Lord, what do you want me to do? Obedience is a daily thing. Even the moment you step out from this church, there will be challenges outside. When you go to work tomorrow, there will be challenges when you go back to work tomorrow. You will be faced with, what am I going to do? What am I going to decide? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Obedience is less painful than regret. Philippians 2, chapter 13. For it is God who is at work on you both to will and work for his good pleasure. Look at the grace of God. You know, when you belong to God, when you belong to Christ, it is even the Holy Spirit who is going to give you the desire to live a holy life. You don't have to exert too much effort. The, the only effort that you need to do is to say yes. There is an old charismatic song, Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, 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 Lord. Tama ba yun? Ayoko na nga, hindi na ako magpipreach dito, pinagtatawanan niyo ako eh. Sa Sunday, hindi na ako magpipreach. Okay? Day in, day out, all we need to do is say, Yes, Lord. 
Because it is even the Holy Spirit who will give you the will. He will give you the desires. The Bible says that if we, if we are close to God, if we ponder on Him, it is Him who is going to give you the what? Even the desires of your heart. As a good example, I don't know if I shared this with you. I'm a fan of, of sounds. I mean, I don't know how to sing, but I can distinguish. I'm an audiophile. I can distinguish good sounds. Okay? And I have good headphones at home. My son, when he was still here, we would always talk about sounds, hi-fi. We would always talk about audiophile things, technical things. And you know what? My son got interest with headphones. And every time he would talk about headphones, it's as if I were the one, or I were the one talking. Okay, and you know, every time my son would ask for things that, oh, kahit bahal, what happens? I would just give it to him or I will allow him to have it. Why? Because the desire of my heart was transferred to him. And every time we spend that intimacy with God, God's desire will be transferred to you. You will know the heartbeat of God. You will know what blessing means. You want to be blessed because you wanted to bless others. Not to keep in the bank. Not to pile up treasures, but what? You wanted to be blessed because you wanted to give to the ministry. You wanted to bless others who are in need. That's the very reason why God wanted to bless us. Amen? Amen. And earlier I also mentioned that the best blessing is the healing of the soul. So there's always hope. And in the name of Jesus, we will be set free. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that by virtue of what your son has done on the cross of Calvary, Lord, we can be set free from the sins. We can be set free from the prison cells that we are into. Lord, the best blessings that we can have is deliverance, healing from our spirit. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. And Lord God, even as we uh, face this week, Lord, I ask, Lord God, that you will be with us. Let your presence be manifested in each and every one of us. For those who have not known you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray, Father God, that they will have that encounter so that they too, can be delivered from the bandages. They can be delivered from the things that are holding them back, Lord. Lord, we thank you that this week is going to be a week of blessing. It's going to be a week of blessing because we can be a blessing to others, Lord God. Lord, use our mouths to share your words to others. Use us, Lord God, to be a blessing to our relatives, to be a blessing to our office mates, Lord God. 
thank you so much. And Lord God, I pray that even as we go to our respective groups, Lord God, Lord, I pray that our discussions would be fruitful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In CCF, we do not pass the offering plate, but if you are led by the Lord to give, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. And for our uh, discussion, okay, I just want us to, to form into groups, okay, and let's discuss what are the things that is hindering us from obeying the Lord, okay, and what do we want to do? What is our resolution? So that starting today, moving forward, we can uh, be obedient to what the Lord is asking us to do. And then find a partner, pray for each other. The rest, you are dismissed. Thank you.